Welcome to season three of Who Your People Is. I am elated. I feel so privileged, inspired, and overjoyed by the fact that this season I am joined by people that I have an extremely long history of collaborating with. And this season, they are helping me to understand, to hear, to move forward with a piece that I am currently in process with. The piece is called Bull Jean and Dem Day Back Dreaming. And we are taking a five minute standalone excerpt from that. And we gonna work that work y'all. So we couldn't be in the room all together, but one at a time, each guest is layering in their power, their brilliance, their love, their spirit, their knowings. And we're going to have a conversation and then we're going to share those tracks as the piece becomes itself. I'm extremely grateful to our sponsor this season, Alice Wilder who is an audio engineer who is helping us keep this together and keeping it sounding right. So grab your wig, your coffee, your chair on the porch, whatever it is, clutch your pearls, get ready. Here we go. Today's guest is Renita Martin. Renita is a critically acclaimed author, thespian, musician, and producer whose works have appeared on Good Morning America, in Ebony Magazine, the New York Times, and the Boston Globe. Renita is a proud member of the National Performance Network and Alternate Roots. She's performed off-Broadway in regional and international theater productions, as well as independent films and broadcast television. Renita is founding director of Rhythm Visions Production Company. It's an organization providing arts programming and employment opportunities to underrepresented artists. There are links about all this below. Um... Also, Renita is the composer and musician for our podcast jingle, Who Your People Is. I'm proud to say that I have known Renita and, you know, have been in family with her since we think around 1994. I've had the privilege of having her support over the years in so many ways and having the blessing of her brilliance in my work and getting to witness her work around the country all this time. All right, here we go. Here come Renita. Renita Martin, who your people is? Well, my blood people, you know, I'm a people from Terry, Mississippi, which I'm so glad I grew up there. Um, I feel so blessed to be connected to that, you know, to the spirit, the ancestors, the land there. Um, I think my people are all over though, you know, um, I feel the, 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 
the sort of angels, you know, that song watching over me, the ain't so they play yeah. with me a lot, you know, all up in my head. Um uh whatever's out there in the different in the galaxy, that that's all in there. Um the animal life, you know, plant and animal life, especially um trees. I have, you know, a thing with trees. And and were your parents from Terry too? Were they from Terry? Yes, they were from Terry. Oh. Yeah. Hold on just a second. The dog okay. wants to play. I'm going to close the door again. Okay. <laughs> Child, it's like my grandmama trained that dog. She used to go through the house talk about, um, no, ain't going to be no closed doors that you couldn't close your door, couldn't have no privacy. Ain't going to be no closed door. The dog come through just like that. No closed doors up in here. I know that's right. I know that's right. And we know who's <laughs> boss of the house then. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like uh -huh. up in <laughs> well it was you knew you were in a community you know um uh you played with you played with your cousins every everybody lived you, you know we had this road that we would play up and down and we were safe at anybody's house on that road um and also we get you know in trouble from anybody anybody up and down the road can you know whip you and tell your grandmama that you, you know why they did it right. <laughs> uh very of course uh religious um and profane well I don't know the I was gonna say religious and profane at the same time which is true um but I think that there are times when there's profanity in religion so I don't want to distinguish the you know um, but yeah, holy and profane, I guess is a better. <laughs> them is my favorite kind of people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you learn how to navigate spirit? You know, I feel like you're someone that walks with spirits that are active in your life and they come through your yeah. work beautifully. But how did you learn how to navigate that? Wow, that that's an interesting question, Sharon. Nobody's ever ask me I think I'm what the short answer is I'm still learning um you know um as a child it was it was quite a challenge you know but I was fortunate to have uh well my great-grandmother was um a medicine woman slash priestess uh, and folks would come to her for um information and stuff they needed to work out their relationships, the little juju stuff. Um, and so, but by the time I came along, you know, she was 97 when, in her nineties when I was little. So by the time I came along, it, I didn't get that information. I got it in another way, you know, through history, oral history and, and, and my spiritual journey. And so I, I think she understood me, although she was, she was kind of mean, you know, and I think that's why I think she saw me in her and recognized the challenges that she had as the, you know, um, that one in, in that town. And so I think she was trying to keep me from some of those experiences. And then my grandmother was quite the church woman. You know, she came, she resisted you, her mother's, that that aspect of, of spirituality. And so she just was not having it. You know, you got to stop having these 
visions and we're gonna pray it out of you. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, you know, there were times when I thought when or when I was taught that it was the devil's work and had to, but I always understood that it wasn't, that it couldn't be if, you know, if I had the kind of love that I have for people, if um, you know, if I got these signs and got these, you know, got this light that it couldn't be anything unholy. Uh, but it took me a while to, I think, be able to integrate it into, <laughs> you know, regular life and, and get the stuff done. You have to get done on a more practical <laughs> level. Mm-hmm. And you. I'm still, you know, still navigating that. Got you. Got you. How did but you- I think- Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Please go. Oh, I was just going to say, I think accepting that they're there and not having the shame around it and honoring them is has been what, you know, kept me afloat. Got you. Got you. How do, how do you imagine your great grandmother came into her priesthood? Like, yeah. How did she learn how to activate that work, do you think? Well, I'm sh- what I've been told and stumbled upon is um, there's, you know, a deep traditional sort of hand me. So, of course, you know, it was um, her family, the the um, the relationship to from my understanding at, or from as much as I know from the DNA, um, I think the relationship to Nigeria yeah. and that that family, I think that's what kind of came, you know, brought her into her, into her being. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. As far as you know, was she born in Terry also? As far as I know. Okay. Got it. Wow. That's a lot of richness yeah. right there. That's a lot of richness. Yeah. Did yeah. they, did you know at a young age that you were queer? Yeah. At oh. least from the second grade, I had this teacher. I won't call her name. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they tell you about the teacher, the apple for the teacher. And, the, you know, I bring her apple every time I, my mama got so tired of me asking to buy apples every day. I bring her an apple, you know. Um, <laughs> and so I think I knew, you know, early on, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't bringing the little boys no apples. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did they try to, do you think they tried to pray that out of you at a young age? Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was always kind of gender fluid. So there was always this push to, um, you know, put those patent leather shoes on tight enough to uh, squeeze that mess out of you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think they knew. Give me, you know, I think, too a lot of resistance to a lot of of ourselves and our freedom has to do more with fear than hatred, at least with, you know, my experience with, with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Being afraid of what you might have to face. Were they afraid for you, you think? or Right, afraid for you. And probably a little afraid of you. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how do you, um, uh, like, what do you 
In terms of you as somebody that grew into being a multifaceted faceted artist, like what part of your early life do you think contributed to that? Definitely church, mm-hmm. you know, um, and family fun, just the theatrical nature of my people, you know, uh, which is one of the reasons I love your work so much. You know, the richness of the characters, the complexity of, of experiences and life, you know, the same. We, I grew up, there was a juke joint and church on the same road. Yeah. Like you could walk to, you could walk to yeah. leave the juke joint and walk to church, which yeah. a lot of people did. Right. And, um, right. And they were frequented by the same people, you yeah. know, and just the, <laughs> the complexity of, you know, the hot messes that came out of those, you know, those stories and how the same story in a juke joint can be so different in the church. And it can be the same story, like yeah. how location contextualizes, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, stories. And so, yeah, I was, uh, and then the musicality, of course, of, of, of church. I was always, my cousin Barbara was a, uh, um, play piano for the church and she would let me sit on the stool oh. and watch her play piano, uh, which I, as a person who plays now, I'm like, that was really quite nice of her because oh. I don't want nobody getting in my way sitting up on the stool. So Although I do let the kids sit on the stool, but you know, yeah. oh, <laughs> it takes, it takes some, some maneuvering to <laughs> get around the kid on the stool when you're trying to play. <laughs> yeah, but funny. yeah, so, um, and then that, you know, growing up in church and seeing the different characters in church and the different, how differently you might uh, experience them outside of church. Right. Those were all really rich stories for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. When did you leave, Terry, and where did you go? I first left, and uh, I didn't go too far. I went to <laughs> Tougaloo College in oh, Mississippi. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I left there after my sophomore year and went to Boston University, went to BU. Mm. What did you study at BU? Well, I did an independent concentration. (laughs) I think it was called, I did had a title and everything. I think it was called, let me see, Scattered Africa. Social change and cultural expression. Oh, and it was <laughs> let me do that. And so yeah. yeah. So I was in all these, you know, different departments, and uh BU had a consortium with uh, uh you know, so I got to take classes at other uh local colleges. They just do my thing. That's so you know, good. I ended up going to Niger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. Well, I love that you still have a relationship with Tougaloo, that you, you know, you work with students there to this day. Um, yeah. Really yeah. rich and so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's a blessing for me. Mm-hmm. I learned so much um, and am inspired so much by the talent. Um, 
It's interesting, the circles and the cycles, um, and I can see uh, myself and my little artist click in these young people, you know, but, it, um, and then they take it to a whole new level. Um, right. So it's, it's really, really a blessing to be able to do that work. Yeah, yeah. I think we met, I want to say it was 1994. Maybe it was 1995, but I remember distinctly Sanja Parks and I um, were traveling with the Root Women Theater Company, my theater company. And Sanja, yes. we had, I had a one woman show. Sanja was the one woman called No More Blues. Yes. And we performed that. She tore that up. She tore that shit up, didn't she? She tore that shit up. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. we performed at the um, Theater Offensive Out on the Edge Festival. Yes theater organization queer festival daniel joan art alexander jones had a show that season the oh my mm-hmm. god so many people anyway it was so exciting so great and i remember you came up to me after the show and i just looked at you and i was like oh we family and we have been in touch mm-hmm. ever since i've had the great privilege of having you in my my other shows and along the way just being witness to so many powerful things that that you have built and are doing and your work and ways that you're supporting the communities. But at that moment in, in that mid nineties, when you were in Boston connected with the theater offensive, mm-hmm. what were you doing and what was your life as an artist? Like, mm. um, well, first I have to go back to that show, Sharon, because I don't know if I told you, I probably told you that, um, this that night, but I'm sure so many people told you so many things. But that show and and it had to kind of you know uh, seep in and have you know I had to be seasoned with it with to get a full understanding. But that show changed my life. Wow! It changed my work and it changed my um it it gave me. Um, I had been doing, you know, a stylistically a similar type of thing, um, and hadn't really seen it realized. And it get, you know, the levels, the chorus, the you know, the um, dynamics, the musicality. It 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 gave me permission to play as an artist. Mm. And. It really, there are two things that, this ain't even a question you asked me. But oh, I love it. Things, where we going? We going where we going. It's perfect. There are two things artistically that have, um, I mean, there are several things that have moved me artistically, of course, but two things that I know have moved me that I can really feel in, a, in that moment. And that's... Um, the women of Brewster play when I oh, yeah. <laughs> when I uh, Gloria Nail is the women of Brewster place yeah, yeah. and that piece wow wow your piece that 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 those two pieces shifted me as an artist as uh, a queer person as a black woman those that that, that you know I was new. I, I really appreciate that. I received that wholeheartedly uh, and I'm very grateful. And I must say, you know, 
And uh, Sanja Parks, who's also in this season, and we talked about this in our conversation, I I used the word director because that's what the theater people did. But I would just give Sanja the text and we would just, I was more curious about what she wanted to do. So mm-hmm. just kind of develop things really largely with the text as the architecture, but her instincts and her curiosities and her knowings is what shaped it. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to share mm-hmm. what you just said with her because um, she built that thing. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And it's so, and it's, you know, the art. No, go ahead, please. Yeah. The art of bringing your full self yeah. to the work, your full yeah. self, using every drop of everything you have. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, she did that. She did that. And you did that with the writing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and thank, the- you. thank you. I love that that connection took us to working together on Blood Pudding in Austin, Texas in 1998. Yes. Lori Carlos directing that you came in. Because when yes, Lori yeah, Carlos. Yeah, I knew that there was a deep connection and that you were someone that would be my art family. And so as soon as Mm -hmm. that opportunity showed itself, I knew that if you were at all able, it would be awesome to have, have you there. And, and you came. And so we got to be at. I'm so glad I came. Yes. Yeah. That changed my life too. That Lori Carlos. Changed your life. Mm -hmm. Shake it down. Mm -hmm. Swirl it around. And, you, <laughs> and that goes back too to the um you were asking about coming to yeah. um uh comfort and acceptance and grips and um navigating the spirits. Yeah. Lori saw that shit as <gasps> we just sat down and looked at each other and recognized, yeah. you know. And she thought she'd said, you got some people in you. <laughs> and it was the first time anybody had said it, first of all, like that. Yeah. And said it with such honor. Yeah. And that just, you know, we just loved on each other from that, from that moment on. I love that. Yeah, with her, it was so like it was just normal. Like she, she would say things to me. Like one time she said, I told them they have to come through the TV. She said, they can't be, I told them they can't be coming up here in the house. They got to come through the TV. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Um, I have some respect. (laughs) 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My God. Yeah. What a time. But yeah. How did you grow? Like, who are some of your mentors or teachers or what are some of the experiences that shaped you and help you bring it all together? Mm. Um, I've been thinking a lot about Miss Chrysler. She was, um, there were, I had great teachers, you know, in, in, uh, growing up, uh, Miss Pomp, my English teachers in particular were just amazing um, and honored words and and encouraged me to to 
submerge myself into the craft, you know. Um, and they honored languages on so many different levels and celebrated language on so many different levels. Um, so they definitely, those, those teachers, um, I remember Miss Chrysler told me I would be uh, a writer. And I was like, later, I'm going to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't going to right, right. <laughs> and she called that uh, and was right. And I'm so glad. I'm glad she knew. And I'm glad I am. I'm glad I am, you know, uh, an artist and a writer. Um, as I got older um, in college, there were two they were married, two professors, um, Dr. Turner and uh, Dean Barkley. Dean, uh, Dean was the dean and Dr. Turner uh, taught, the, taught. And they brought us into their house, you know, this group of, of, of artists, family. Um, they brought it, they cooked for us. They took us to plays. They, the first, they took us to uh, Atlanta, New York, you know, uh, Providence. They they nurtured our intellectual, spiritual, and artistic um, uh, growth, and I'm e eternally grateful mm -hmm. to them. Um, Gwendolyn Brooks. When I met her in Mississippi, when she came to Jackson State to speak, and it was similar to us. We just looked at each other and just knew. Mm -hmm. um, and she didn't like to fly. So she would always take the Amtrak and um, I would take it with her sometimes. I pick her up, she let me drive her around, uh, which was, if you know how bad, how I drive, you know, uh, that was, she was quite kind and courageous. Okay. To, <laughs> um, and she taught me so much about the craft because she would have, we'd be sitting on uh, the train and she would have a book that might've been published years ago, one of her books that came out. So she'd be on the uh, train editing a book of poetry that came out years ago. And I'm like, it's already published. Why are you, ed she's like, you, you never done editing. Wow. Wow. And I just, you know, it, it taught me so much about um, respect for your craft. Um, the actually, my first book of poetry um, was 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 uh, it was called "Rhythm Visions Never Do Be Finished," mm -hmm. and it was it was based on that idea that you never the poem is never finished, the work is never finished. That you know, there's always when it goes into another hand, you know, when it, it's uh, as far as theater is concerned, you know, when it, when it, like you were talking about how Sanja, when, when it moved from your, your, your pen, your spirit, your words to her body, how mm. it took a different type of flesh on. Mm. Um, and that never finishes, that never ends. That's the beauty of, of, of creating wow. and what we create. Yeah. Yeah. How? So, yeah. She taught me that. How precious to have had that experience with her. I mean, she's one of the most important writers, I think, in in history. Um, and that you got to drive her around and receive yes. those lessons. That's that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, it, yeah. 
I feel like there's a way that you in in terms of how you work with mentoring artists, like there, I feel like you carry that tradition on. You make space for younger artists and mm-hmm. you know, you just show up and um shoulder to shoulder, you're in it. If that work is is as significant as anything we put on paper, anything we put on stage, that that sharing and passing on of knowledge and and uh and uh gathering knowledge um i'm probably gonna fuck this up but um um the latin um term i mean the latin definition for education um you know we always think of education as pouring in you know putting in but it's drawing out and um and and that that's what i hope it's what was done for me. And that's just what I hope, you know, I can do for others. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. In a, you do so many things in addition to writing, performing and producing these exquisite plays um, and Thank publishing you. poetry. Um, I know that you're involved with, as I said, the students at Tougaloo and working at least in one arm of that work with uh, Rights and Reason Theater and the Black Lavender Experience at Brown mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. Professor Elmo, shout out. Oh, yes, uh, <laughs> yes. But also you are working with a group of folks that are have bought some land back in Mississippi. And so can you just talk about some of the things that you are, are doing? Sure. Um, well, nice. Got with a group of of artists in 1996. This is my organization's uh, 25th year. Wow! Um, and uh, it actually started. I went to t- do a poetry workshop at a school, and I was invited by this young student I met somewhere. She was in middle school, and she's like, "Well, you come to my school to do a poetry workshop." And I got there and then they at the kids asked me to come regularly. They said, we don't have this in our schools. Could you come on a regular? And, you know, and I started doing that. Um, and it just got me to thinking it was, it got me to thinking that there needed to be more of that, that, mm-hmm. that there needed to be this teaching, this training, this mentoring um, that was, um, that was just a part of our cultural curriculum, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so I got with a bunch of artists in in um, Massachusetts and Boston, a couple of whom resident artists, um, Ife Franklin and um, and and Letta. Well, one's re- resident artist, Ife Franklin, and Letta Neely. I still work with. And we created this organization called Rhythm Visions and and started working. We initially started working in juvenile justice facilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we saw, what I saw was uh, this high rate of recidivism. Like before we would finish one workshop season, um, somebody might have gotten out and got come back. Uh, and I'm like, why do you, why are you coming back to jail? <laughs> you know, what? Um, 
And they started citing things like not having access to jobs, not feeling supported artistically, those who, you know, were artists and not being able to use those skills, you know, um, uh, to transfer those skills to, to being able to, to make a living. And so, and then housing, housing was also a big issue. And so as the years went on, I saw that echoed. Um, one, this need to train artists. And I saw it on both as the professional artist. Um, and I know you've heard this before. Some producers say they can't find us. Oh, I couldn't, oh, you know, God. I couldn't yeah. find them. Where the people look? I couldn't, I can't find them. You know, <laughs> I, the trans people, I can't find, you know. Um, yeah. And so I, we revisited the mission to make sure that that wouldn't be a mantra that could be repeated, that we would do this training, that we would do this mentorship, that we would give you know, experience to artists who uh, are marginalized or underrepresented. And, um, and nobody could say, we can't find them. They, we, we can't find experienced ones because mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we can lead you to them. And a lot of people, it wasn't a new thing. A lot of people are doing this, but you know, I threw in my, my little effort to do that. And, but um, housing was always a thing and community was always a, the idea of building community and building an artistic community. And so, in 2014, we uh, received funding from Sunnyside Gift Trust buy property and start this project. And it's called Home Housing, our um, Housing Our Master Expressionist. Mm -hmm. And I'm uh, Housing Our Major Expressionist, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, it was initially master, but we didn't like that word master. Got you. <laughs> yeah, got you. <laughs> housing Our Major Expressionist. And we started this project. It's still in the works. We've been slowly buying uh, property in Mississippi uh, to build the ideas that uh, we build a work live space that artists would be able to, that we have an open air market where artists could sell their work. And we started doing that and um, that we'd have a community garden. Um, I grew up on the land, the food, you know, food from the land. I was outdone when I came to Boston and had to buy some vegetables from the grocery store. Um, <laughs> and that so, was expensive you know, too, wasn't it? Right, right. <laughs> and so, you know, I just feel like that's just the thing for we got to have our, uh, grow our food, at, at least be able to, if we don't, if some people, I can't say everybody wants to, but at least be able to grow our food. Yeah. Yeah. That that's major. Um, my mom who grew up in Memphis in a, one of them shotgun houses with like 10 people, she told, she always said she never knew that they were poor because they had chickens, they grew their food and they made mm -hmm. their own clothes. They sold. Yep. Yep. So, yep. And so you had later right. that terminology got imposed, but she was like, that wasn't the experience, you know? One of my professors from BU, uh, Eileen Julian, writes about 
uh, growing up in, in New Orleans and that same experience. And she calls it cultural wealth. Yes. And I think, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the truth is, is we're each other's wealth too. Because because also, mm-hmm. you know, my when my mom was growing up, you know, an aunt was across the street and the other aunt mm-hmm. lived over there. Like, very similar to what you described, like everybody mm-hmm. was in your business and half of yeah. them related to you, but that's also how your ass got to school and right, did right. Because <laughs> a lot was expected. Right, right. Was expected of you. Um, and you all, uh, what city in Mississippi? And I and correct me if I'm wrong, but you all like you all have been able to purchase three lots. Is that true? Yes, we've purchased three lots so far. Um, and it's in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, in this area, uh, South Jackson, Mississippi. Awesome. 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 Yeah. And what is the, um, I know that I got to visit with some of the artists that you're providing, you know, because of the pandemic, it's virtual. Mm-hmm. What is that work? And that um, Yeah. Sure. Um, well, we have a program called Arts for Business Dialogue for Success. Hmm. And basically we, we pair a professional artists with young people uh, in the arts and you, you pair people who are in the same uh, genre. And um, we have workshops, they teach classes, you have um, master classes, um, where they actually actually you know have vocal sessions and acting sessions, dance sessions, and um, all the while they're doing these cla- taking these classes and um, uh, creating in the workshop, they're also learning the business of the arts. So we have uh, bankers. We partnered with Wells Fargo and Capital One Bank uh, to bring people in to see. Uh, so at the end of the program, they have to have a portfolio of their work. Um, they have to know how to balance a budget and read a contract. And they have a performance at the end, a uh, professional public performance. Mm-hmm. And and then we keep them paired with those. Men- the mentors have been really kind in terms of staying active in their lives and, you know, uh, following them. And, and then what we've, we were fortunate enough in, I think it was 2019 to be able to, um, well, no, 2017, I think we uh, started working with the Marion Berry uh, Youth Employment uh, mm-hmm. Program and hired people, hired uh, artists from that program for the summer youth program. And then we were able to hire three young artists year round in part-time positions. Wow. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a blessing for us. And, um, and again, I just think it's, it's, it's part part of life it's the you know the 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 exchange of 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 life and breath um and that's crucial to keep our our communities going and going abundantly you know going in abundance yeah that's right that's right that's it in addition to all of that 
and writing and publishing. You're a musician. I know sometimes mm-hmm. you play the piano for the church. Yeah. You write jingles and I'm going to come back uh, to that because we were blessed <laughs> to have your love and your skill in that for this podcast. But how do you take care of yourself artistically? How do you make sure that you have capacity to um, make art yourself with all of these really huge things that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning to set boundaries, to set time, you to be intentional about the time that I spend on my craft. Um, that's part of the training is to train these young people so I don't have to do it, <laughs> everything by myself. Um, and they are excelling. You, it, you, it, it's it's just so inspiring to be able to leave so many aspects of the company to trust them. Um, to entrust them in these young hands. Um, that's, that's just, a, and I, and I feel safe, you know, I feel like the, the car is on the road. Yes. And it's, you know, right. we drive and sometimes they speed and that's good. We got to get there. That's right. We go get there. We go get there. Right, right. <laughs> that's probably what Ms. Brooks was saying. We go get there. Right. Right. <laughs> oh God. That's brilliant. What are you working on? Uh, uh, artistically for yourself right now? Um, well, I have a book of poetry that's coming out um, yes, called It Is The Seeing. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. And prayerfully, that'll be coming out in the next few months. Oh. Um, and I'm working on which feels like the hardest thing I've ever written. Uh, or at least the most challenging it's taken me through. I'm working on the, uh, a play about the life of Merle Evers. Uh, Yes. Civil rights leader, Medgar Evers wife um, and civil civil rights leader in her own right. Uh, Much, much more expensive than, than the wife title. And I think, the challenge, I don't, I'm sure at some point I've written about some people who are alive and, and doing amazing work, but I just want to, I want this piece to, to celebrate and pay tribute to and, and bless in a way the, the work that she's done in the way that it's blessed me. Uh, so I've been real, it's been a slow process writing this piece. And then I started writing and then I started rewriting. And so (laughs) that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Blessings to you in that. That's something we really need in the world. It's timely and Mm -hmm. I understand the pressure of it, but. Mm -hmm. uh, And she keeps doing new stuff. Right. <laughs> you can't keep up. Huh? Mm-hmm. During Black Lives Matter, she led her Uh-oh. senior community in the yes. march. Yes. That's, hey, that's got to be in the show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, um, I could talk to you forever, but um, <laughs> just the honor, time, and these interwebs and everything and, and your energy. Right, I just have- right. Two more, two more questions. First is thank you for making that jingle. Oh my God, that was so much fun. 
I mean, I literally, the lyrics that I sent you were who your people is, who your people is, who your people is, my people is love. And then you (laughs) sent this track back that it was just like my heart just burst and oh God, it was just so perfect and so divine. And then the way you worked with Sonia and then my poor thing, my, my horrible technical skill (laughs) set. Well, I think so might tell a different story because <laughs> I was pushing wrong buttons and carrying on. But anyway, it, it did come out just exquisite. So I thank you for that. Um, and I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. Yeah, it just makes me so happy. Sometimes I just listen to it just to hear it and giggle and feel it, you know. Right, right. Um, that was fun. And it was so much fun working with song. Yeah. She's another one who puts her whole body into. Yeah. Well, yes. you know, she came from you. So, of course. <laughs> well, and she was loved and nourished by community, which you are a serious mm-hmm. part of, you know, because golly, she was probably mm-hmm. a young teenager when she first met you, you know. Yeah, so I was cussing and praying at the same time. <laughs> oh, child, I was so confused. <laughs> That's right. You're just showing her how to how to receive the medicine. That's what that is. Right, right. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful to have your brilliance, uh, your spirit and voice in this uh, Bull Jean Stories clip. Uh, I can't wait to hear it. And I'm uh, just so excited to be in this journey with you. Um, do you have is there anything that kind of came up or that you noticed or want to share about your experience of, of um, being in voice with the piece? Oh, oh, community. Community came up and the love of community. Um, again, the, the work and um, and how it shapes our bodies and our body shapes. I I was sitting in here moving and breathing and everything. You can't be still with the, with the work. And I think that is, is one of the things that I would say about that is the beauty of your work. You cannot be still. Mm, mm, You can't keep, mm. you can't experience the work and keep still. Mm. That's because it's rooted in blackness. We ain't going right, to be still, right. especially now when we're telling a story. Right, so, right. You know, yeah, right. yeah. And even when you leave the theater, you can't be still. You have to do, it 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 makes you have to do something yeah. to make the world better. Oh, God, yeah. That's the prayer. That's the prayer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you say to people that are early in their road, uh, trying to craft a life as an artist, trying to make decisions and and navigate how to even imagine living as an artist, knowing what you know now, Mm. what would you say? Mm. Um, Honor your voice and your vision. That it's, it's, it's your gift. It's, it, it's what leads everything else. You'll hear people tell you, do it this way, or you know, see it this way. You have to know 
what's yours, what's for you, what your voice is and what your vision is and stick to it, stick to it. I don't know if I, well, I guess for lack of a better word, I'd say on a practical level, for lack of a better phrase, know how to do your budget, read your contracts um, and be faithful to that aspect of it too. Um, Because money, those those things are also energy. Everything is energy. And you do have, I think for me, for a long time, um, and it had a lot to do with where I come from. Um, I'd be like, oh, you could just have it. If whatever it was, you know, if if I was, um, if somebody asked me to do like a poem or do a reading or do a, you know, I'd be, oh, okay, you don't have to give, sometimes I give the people their money back. And, and, and there are moments, I think, for that, you, you have to have discernment around that. Um, but I, for me, it was, it had to do with my own value for my own work. And I had to take a step back and look. And as difficult as it is to, to command your, your worth, it's, it's important. And you're doing a disservice, not, to your, not just to yourself, but to the world and, and yeah, to the world. By not, I. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's your ancestors. You're doing you're doing a disservice to them by not, you know, honoring. Yeah, that's and, a, or valuing your work, your voice, your gift. Yeah, that's. So, I think we get confused because they call it a gift, and so, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's also a craft. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's it's also work. And it's work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And be intentional. Be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Be intentional about carving the time out for it. Be intentional about editing and, and crafting and revisiting. That's beautiful. Well, you have laid the gold down. So I'm going to just let mm-hmm. it stay there and shimmer. <laughs> all right all right let yeah, it shimmer let it shimmer baby <laughs> renita martin i love you so much thank you oh so i love much. you thank you thank you thank you be well bull jean stand front she off look up tears rolling down the right side she face she there who know how long, how long till the mold came sharp and crunch. Shout, Shout from their porches. Breathe, 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 breathe. The startle of they jump start old Jean back to breathing. Then old Caney sharp and crunch to get to tapping they came tapping tapping they came louder louder faster faster they tapping till all the children mina done passed a fan making on to come bursting up the road running and laughing and skipping and fan tumbling all the way 
running and laughing and skipping and fanning and tumbling and supporting and skipping and fanning She knew. She knew. 